Hello and welcome to Hopeful World, the social projects podcast. I'm Charlie Wright, founder of Hopeful Traders. This is a series where we look at inspiring projects with social missions at their heart. This week, we're speaking to Sophie Slater, co-founder of Birdsong, the ethical fashion brand. Why don't you start off by just telling us like a little bit about if someone doesn't know what Birdsong is and like the key mission behind Birdsong. Hi, uh, yeah, so um, we're a social enterprise, um, but we're also a fashion label and we have a mantra of no sweatshops and no Photoshop, um, which means that we've kind of done everything in our business from a feminist perspective. Um, but I think like the, the sort of core mission behind our uh, brand is that we manufacture using women's charities and organisations. Um, so we sort of buy from a lot of different women's projects across the world, whether that's projects funding rehabilitation for survivors of human trafficking who make jewellery or Palestinian-Israeli women making embroidered dresses together. We also work really closely with a lot of UK and London-based women's organisations, um, for example, support projects for migrant and refugee women and elderly day centres as well. Okay, cool. And... Like the idea I get when I kind of look through the Birdsong website and the blogs and stuff like this is this is quite like a personal mission of yours. So how long have you been going and where did the kind of idea come from and what what really drove you to make it all come to fruition? So we've been going about two and a half years, but myself and my business partner, Sarah, we had the idea nearly three years ago now, actually. Um, We met on a postgrad and... I've been working uh, in a hostel, um, coming up with kind of a women's strategy, and I've been doing a lot of work with women and girls and activism um, before that and at university. And um, kind of saw the effects of funding cuts on women's organisations as being quite disproportionate. I mean, everything's getting cut to shreds with austerity um, now, but I read a women's aid report that said 92% of women's organisations had had a funding crisis in the last three years. That was three years ago, so it's probably 100% now. Um, And yeah, Sarah was working at an elderly day centre and the women there had a knitting circle and it was really like helping with arthritis and it was quite meditative working with the wall and it had like a really um, therapeutic effect. But they were giving all their wares to charity shops or just giving it away and it gave them an amazing sense of purpose. But we had a feeling that a lot of these organisations and especially migrant women sort of middle-aged or older women have these fantastic making skills and because they're not necessarily uh, documented or don't have the sort of access to education or labour markets that sort of younger people might, they weren't really being appreciated. So we kind of paired the idea of this like untapped skill with the sort of um, readiness we had to use social media and marketing. And also we knew it was like this massive upsurge in feminist sort of creative action as well like I had a lot of friends who are feminist photographers who are exploring ideas of more diversity and unphotoshopped bodies so we thought we'd kind of pair it into this brand that was a sort of really idealistic vision of what fashion could be um yeah if that makes sense no it makes total sense and like it's it's funny because I hadn't actually really thought about the whole therapeutic side to it for the women but also because for us for hopeful traders you know we work with artists or people who will have want a creative output again we kind of try and focus on it's that whole thing of opportunities for people with a lot of talent but maybe not somewhere to show it or ways of monetizing it 
what kind of differences do you think like giving women these opportunities and connecting them with your sort of designers and stuff what kind of changes do you see in the kind of groups from that I mean, there's kind of like really tangible um, results that we've seen with the elderly nose, for example, which is really nice that they've redone their therapy room, their summer house, they've upholstered the carpet at the day centre, they've redone their yeah kitchen and stuff, which is really nice. And they're really, really proud and they like, Sarah's got the head knit at Edna on Facebook and she's always like making comments and statuses about it and stuff saying how like she's such a proud to be part of it and um she's also featured on the BBC when we used her as a model in one of our campaigns and that was a really nice case in study as well because she'd been quite socially isolated and being on the BBC she had it was on New Year's Eve and she got so many phone calls and like people reached out to her that she hadn't seen for years um so that was like one case but also just like improvement in confidence um like we've worked with a group of migrant mums in Tower Hamlets and when we first went to visit they were quite like shy and unconfident interacting with us and like had massive like language barriers didn't have English as a first language and now like they're so like chatty and we just go and have a laugh and like Zakia who supports them um at the school at the Enterprise Centre said that going to the post office and sort of interacting with us on like a business level and having to set up their own business account and stuff like their English has improved which is really amazing um and also like we've made them quite a lot of like living wage um because they work part-time as dinner ladies at the school so they can kind of work from the school do that and then come back and kind of work in their own time for us but yeah I mean I think giving them sort of like well not giving them because they've given them themselves the opportunity they're like sort of like give the opportunity to like see their work in press and stuff is is a big confidence boost as well when you tell the ladies that they've kind of been in magazines in four different continents they like get so stoked and it's like really really nice and like showing like comments from customers on twitter and stuff um so yeah I think like it's mainly a confidence thing and we kind of run workshops with um my friend Cleo Pepiat she's a designer at London Paris Fashion Week and she came and did a workshop with the hand-painting ladies and brought all the, like, runway clothes and stuff and explained how she does trend research and kind of just demystified the whole sort of experience of setting up a fashion label and being creative. And I think that was really nice to share because women's confidence has, like, grown massively since then. Yeah, so, And it's interesting just hearing you talking about, like, the successes measured in kind of, like, confidence boost and stuff like that. And it's kind of an interesting thing going on with, like, social enterprise and ethical uh, companies generally where there's the social enterprise markets growing I think uh, I was just looking at a piece that you guys wrote or that, that someone wrote about you about how ethical fashion is growing at faster rate than the rest of the fashion industry what where do you think this kind of change come has come from whereby we're measuring success in kind of like these basically in non-financial ways that to do with people and people focused and um and like do you feel like it's a trend or do you think it's gonna really stay and what the limit maybe like where where do you kind of see that going for the industry it's really interesting I think like having worked in women's organizations and there's always been a tendency to measure so-called like soft skills or like soft impact that's why it's called it's so gendered (laughs) in terms of like confidence um and a lot of the organisations we work with have lost funding because their impact was purely measured in financial terms before that. And it was all about a lot of funding is geared towards getting into work 
and it's purely monetary, like how much can this person contribute to the economy? And they don't take into account that there's actually a lot of work to be done before that. And I think, you know, we're constantly talking about budgets and like funding cuts and it kind of becomes meaningless in a way. Like, I don't know, the deficit seems really like abstract in a way and like allocating funding, like just numbers get thrown around. I think people get fatigued with it. Whereas if you hear an anecdote about, you know, the person who made your clothes and it's not just like not doing evil, it's not just like they've been paid this X amount, it's like actually this had this effect on this human being. It's a lot more emotive. People respond a lot more to like stories than they do statistics, I think, even if they're hard facts. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it's true. And, you know, it definitely plays into the kind of marketing for brands like yours and, you know, brands like mine as well. It's It's a big part of it. The thing that I find kind of interesting but also can be difficult is that kind of you know, at the end of the day, you're trying to run a business. And I find every now and then there might be a conflicting thing where the social part may cause a compromise on the business side or, or the other way around. Um, do you find you kind of have those challenges whereby something, your social mission may be compromised by just the fact that, you know, the rest of the world does work in these other terms? I think it's interesting because we came at it from the social sector and kind of taught ourselves... Um, or like had really good support and mentoring around business and it was always from like a social impact sort of um, perspective. So we've kind of taught ourselves the business skills on top of our mission. I feel like if we'd gone to business school, maybe, I don't know, it feels like you have to like leverage that stuff in order to get to the social mission. But I think we're lucky in that the more money we make and the more stuff we sell, the greater our social impact is to a point, obviously like, we just have to keep checking in with the women and be like, you're not overwhelmed. Like, you know, we can get another group if, if this is too much and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's difficult because like you have to look at the numbers and yeah, I think that's why me and Sarah work quite well together because she's really good at maths and I'm good at telling a story. <laughs> so we kind of work it out. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think like we have a good sense of, of why we're doing it and what our boundaries are and we have those kind of articulated on our company like mission statement and articles for example they're locked in so it just wouldn't feel right to to overstep bounds I think because we've got such a close relationship with our makers as well like we go and see them like we saw like two of the groups yesterday um yeah I think anything that compromises them we would we wouldn't be comfortable doing but um yeah we don't feel too compromised about making a lot of money because that's good for them. <laughs> yeah, of course, I think mean, that's great. Um, you mentioned your business partner just there, and it's interesting, you do get this a lot, especially with like quite successful business partners' stories. There's the person who's kind of like really great at crunching the numbers and stuff, and there's the person who's like creative and tells a story. Or in my case, it's just me by myself, neither really good at, <laughs> not a great storyteller, accounting is all over the shop, <laughs> plugging away at it. But um, one thing which like... Um, struck me was that you started this like so a couple of years ago you're now like I mean you're, you're relatively young both of you would you see that has it has there been any times where like sort of like not to sound like rude or anything but like lack of experience has kind of held you back or do you find that actually having a complete fresh take on everything without any experience has maybe given you a completely new angle on everything yeah I think in a way actually like it's funny because this is my first graduate job <laughs> in my own boss um and I think that almost naivety 
kind of stood us quite well because we've had so much energy and enthusiasm and if we knew how hard it was going to be maybe we would have been a bit more put off not that I'm saying I wouldn't do it because I love what I do and yeah I'm really proud of what we've done and yeah I'm so glad but um yeah I think actually it's benefited in a way because we've kind of like had the approach of well we're just going to teach ourselves everything and kind of not given taking anything for granted like if we'd been like, oh, no, we have to do it this certain way, maybe we'd have come across more obstacles. But instead, we've kind of been problem-solving as we grow. Um, but there have been times, like, I remember when we first started, I look a lot older now because <laughs> the stress of running a business for two years. <laughs> but, like, when I was, like, 23 and we were starting out, I remember, like, I wore, like, this grey skirt to, like, uh, talk to, like, the older women, and they were like school starts in September doesn't it and I was like yeah I just thought it was like a passing observation but they thought like for me and like (laughs) um yeah like if you when we'd go visit some women's projects they were like oh it's a school project and we're like "Mm, it's a limited company but that's fine it's fine just like I had to explain because obviously like if you're a bit older like everyone just looks like really young and like um we like threw a party once uh for like a lot for our lunch and like um, someone got annoyed because we like let some guests in or something like oh don't worry it's not your fault it's it's birdsong you know it's like that company and we they, like just assumed that we were like interns or something or like yeah. which is fine again um and we had we'd got told by investors as well like uh they're not gonna take you seriously because you're young women so we were like fine we'll just do crowdcube because like we did crowdfunding instead because we were like why like you can't make people take you seriously if they're not going to respect you in the first place because of how old you are and what gender you are so um yeah it was it's I don't know I feel like it's made us more defiant but there's the only times that being like really young and naive and experienced have held us back and obviously have making so many mistakes and like learning from them hopefully but yeah, yeah still like googling like I don't know, yeah, I remember Googling, like, what is a CEO? Like, what is marketing? <laughs> like, we're in the beginning. So. I, uh, if, if, like, if I ever sought out investment, like, my Google, like, history yeah. would just be the undoing of the business. Like, I think, <laughs> I think I, I, I had to ask my, uh, I had my, uh, some, my, well, sort of part-time business partner involved at one point, And I was like, we're filling in a form. And I was like, what technically am I? Am I the director? (laughs) And, you know, it's these like little things. But interestingly, you you sort of touched on how potentially maybe wouldn't have been taken seriously um, by investors. Do you see that more as being your age or being women or I guess a mixture of both? But I mean, I guess, do you think obviously the for the reason of being a woman is like that's a completely unjust reason to not want to invest in someone but do you think this sort of age thing is maybe just kind of just in a way because you sort of like have to be skeptical because people are so young or did it really feel like it was kind of an that was like an unfair statement yeah I think if you look at all the statistics like I think like only 17 percent of like venture capital goes to like women companies or women even um but in a way, actually, it was it was quite it was quite good because people expected us to not know what we were talking about, and then they'd be like, "Oh, we're actually really impressed because you actually know stuff. Like you can actually do the numbers. Like Sarah's actually a genius." <laughs> like, um, so it kind of worked in our favor, actually, eventually. Um, but yeah, I guess you, you obviously want to be cautious if you're an investor with your money and stuff. But I feel like 
if you're like a young overconfident upstart from Silicon Valley with like a tech startup and you're like 21 and people just like literally throw cash at you mm. but if you're doing something that's a bit more I don't know tangible but social and like in a feminine industry like well so-called feminine industry like mm. fashion um yeah people are a little bit more cautious but I mean, like, CrowdCube worked out great for us, so it was fine in the end, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and, and yeah, just, like, elaborating on that, I I listen to, like, a lot of, like, as a lot of people do, like, business startup podcasts and all that stuff, and, you know, there's some great people, but you do, what struck me is, like, the repetitive nature of, like, white middle-class bloke starts company, makes money, gets investment, gets more investment, gets more investment, gets more investment fucks up still gets more investment like (laughs) I was just like what are these guys doing I think there was an example about these guys who were like there was like a a meal delivery service and they were making a loss on every meal and I was just like a lot of my friends were sick of me hearing going on about this like I had this like repetitive rant like how can they get away with like making a business plan where they lose money or thing and it's just like they were just they were rich white college kids Fire Festival. Did you see the leaked? Yeah. Pi- did you see the leaked pitch deck? It was so hilarious. I, uh, like I had a little look at the pitch deck thing, and it was just the whole forty-three page thing. It was hilarious. That was just like a case in point, isn't it? Of yeah. like money going to the wrong people, because like you know, like we're privileged as well, and it's like a shame that you kind of have to learn the language. And there's so much. I'm saying we taught ourselves things on Google, but like you have to have a certain level of literacy and confidence to even like pursue that and. Yeah, it's still set up so that business is like a lot easier to succeed in if you if you do have a, a support cushion and you know like a good education and stuff, which is which is quite unfair, really unfair. <laughs> so I think like with both, I mean, we just kind of want to leverage the privilege we have and take all that kind of stuff and roll with it, so that women's orgs can kind of get on with what they find empowering. And if you know, we kind of. I really want to like pass on that knowledge in increments as well to to the women we're working with. So, you know, if they want to set up their own business later down the line, then we'd be here for them, definitely. Just going to take a pause for a second there because uh, this is where most podcasts, I guess, would have a sponsor. We don't have a sponsor. It just It's just a hopeful traders thing. And so I'm just going to take this opportunity to remind everyone that we will be having a Kickstarter campaign launching on the 28th of July. Go to hopefultraders.com to find out more about that. Even better, you can subscribe to our notebook emails, which is also contains news about Hopeful Traders and other inspiring creative projects. Thanks. You mentioned just a minute ago the crowdfunding thing, which I actually didn't realise you had done until I started just doing a little research before coming to this this week. I, it's interesting you say that it was like as an alternative to seeking private investment, but... So we're, we're like planning to do a crowdfunding campaign, which you're all going to get involved in for sure. For me, it wasn't so much even just getting the money, which is obviously important, but uh, like I really wanted to offer like a way that people can engage with our company in a kind of different way. And did you find, how did you actually find, so obviously, I mean, you hit your, tar- I think you, you went right over your target, you got the money and stuff, but did you, were you sort of like, did you find there were other bonuses to doing the investment in that way and kind of like with building your audience and stuff like that? Yeah, massively. I mean, like at the time I was kind of freaking out because we didn't get any press until afterwards, but then we got quite a lot of press following it. But um, in terms of like reaching 
like new markets and like using it as a marketing opportunity. It was fantastic. It was really good. It was also just really nice as well because anyone could invest from like ten pounds. Like all our models invested, all our photographers invested, all our customers. Um, so it was really nice. But yeah, it definitely helped get the word out about us. I mean, like everyone and their mums was like sharing stuff on Facebook and it, everyone was like absolutely sick and saturated of bird song news, <laughs> which was really good. <laughs> it got kind of, we got like way more social media following and stuff and it's definitely grown a lot more since. Yeah, Not sure. just because we've got cash in the bank, that really helps, but um, yeah. <laughs> so like, and actually just like extending on that, like um, other than actually getting funding for the project, what has been like a real driving force here? Is it like a particular person that's gotten involved or like a particular press or like a factor which has maybe changed it from being like a project to something yeah. that where you've really felt like things started going? Yeah, I mean, we were really lucky because we kind of like built and piloted it over like a really short six-week period while we were sort of um, on our postgrad. And then we applied for funding and kind of got it immediately so we could work on it full-time for six months, which is an amazing position to be in. Um, but I think, like, what sort of... It definitely felt different when we did the crowdfunder and this Christmas we did, like, a physical shop and obviously we're out meeting people quite a lot and, like, interacting with the women's groups and stuff, but it was really nice actually to meet customers face-to-face and people coming in off the street and saying they'd found it on Instagram and that kind of made it feel like more tangible I guess it felt like you know we're like a a proper brand now um yeah and hiring Susanna we like hired a head designer two and a half months ago and that's been incredible Mm. she's so great and for her to kind of like knock up a sample and then go to the women's group and get something a collection out in like a few weeks is like amazing so that definitely feels like we're more legit now yeah for sure um, just slightly segueing a little bit, I just wanted to talk a little bit about like the fashion industry and fast fashion, ethical fashion in general. Uh, I know you, you've like written pieces, um, about this and one thing that, uh, I thought was like a really interesting approach was, I think there's one bit where you, t- you quote, is it John Berger, uh, the public. I'll read this here. I'm probably hopefully I didn't write this wrong down wrong. The publicity, the publicity image steals a woman's love of herself as she is and offers it back to her for the price of the product. Um, and like I thought that was not only a really interesting quote, but also the context was like talking about clothing as quite a social thing, and it's not just an expression of yourself, but maybe you know, you talk about like borrowing people's clothes and stuff like that. Um have you found like that you've really been putting your, how do you kind of like put your personal kind of feelings like that through into birdsong? Like? Mm, that's really interesting because obviously we have to design and market to our customers and that's not just like a mirror image of me, like it's a different kind of group. But a lot of it is what I'm kind of interested in and what I guess the advantage of being our own target customer is that we've kind of built and kind of written around like what we're interested in and hopefully that's kind of drawn people um but yeah I think like it is really fun being able to sort of impact on the business in that way because like there was this like perfect dress that I had that like absolutely fell apart and was like three sizes too small so we like made like my dream dress and that's a product now <laughs> which is quite indulgent but it like yeah it sold quite well which is nice um and then yeah, I, I guess like in the blog, that's kind of my space to sort of um, investigate things that I find interesting. I mean, we make sure we've got like a customer council of like 
around 50 women who kind of advise us on what products they like and we go for coffee quite a lot with our customers as well and like have phone calls so always try and keep them in mind and and don't just like use it as a soapbox for everything and everything I'm interested in <laughs> yeah. like luckily I have a lot of other outlets for that so <laughs> don't have to put everything into sure. into bed song yeah I mean I, I just realized I was I, I started that off as a question I was going to ask you about uh ethical fashion industry and then ask you quite a specific thing about yeah, birdsong but actually now that we're talking about that I did actually want to ask about because like the blog is great I love the blog and your writing is awesome in it and what I'm personally worried and maybe I don't know it's hard to I have such a like narrow vision or maybe just like a different vision to the public now because I run my own brand and like I'm always coming at it there so I'm like maybe hyper interested in other people's brands Mm -hmm. but like one thing for me that I think is really interesting is just how personal I mean like you talk about some really personal stuff on there and it's like it's great though I love it and um do you find I mean is that like an intentional thing or is it just that you end up writing that stuff because you really want to speak to your audience on a really personal level? Is it maybe like almost like a therapy for you? Or is or is it really like you think this will just help sales in a way? Do you know what I mean? Or all of the above? Yeah, I mean, I'm just like a terminal oversharer and always have been. Um, I've always done like blogging and zines, but I think like I kind of the principle of behind Birdsong and the ideas behind it of like transparency and openness and doing things differently and being approachable and sort of seeing the humans behind stuff I think fits in quite nicely with what we're talking about and I first started kind of writing and blogging and making zines that were like hyper personal um as kind of a feminist act um when I was at university I sort of did like a feminist zine series and that enabled me to connect to a lot of different writers photographers and sort of like creative people like around the country we'd like send each other zines and like talk on the internet and we still work with some of those people and that was like people I've met like six years ago and admired so I feel like it's kind of this this political notion of kind of yeah radical openness of vulnerability and then yeah people have picked up on it and I think it just makes them it, it makes it feel a bit more human and it's not we're talking about a kind of like white middle class tech boys um kind of fronting and saying hey everything's going great and like uh never really opening themselves up to to failure but yeah me and Sarah actually we both when we met we both talked about um Brené Brown who's like this social worker she did like a TED talk and it's called like power through vulnerability and like we're both really inspired by that kind of movement I mean maybe this is like just a an over theorizing of being like completely TMI but <laughs> <laughs> no no I get you and like it's it's in, um, it wasn't recorded but when I came in just now we were having a conversation about putting your own personal face out there and putting your own stuff that something that I used to avoid and now like as part of doing this is kind of is putting myself out there because people are interested and there's been a shift and it's interesting to see in the fashion industry because it's so much about that gloss front shop and yet more and more people, like I said, I listen to like those startup podcasts and stuff like that are really popular because people are more interested in what's going on behind that curtain now. And it's almost like it's great that it can be part of the brand too. Um, and like for me, I definitely find it really interesting, like you and loads of other brands when they do kind of lift that curtain. And yeah, I guess people find it more relatable as well, which is definitely, I feel like a thing, you know, you want your stuff to be relatable. Um, I will ask you just a couple of questions about the f- like fast fashion and stuff like that. So you write in the, so there's a couple of pieces you've written about fast fashion and you talk about kind of, 
where the you know where the change is going to come is it going to you know the high street need the you know a lot of people write about how the big boys need to change before there's any other real change but what you kind of are seeing is like H&M and places like that they'll do like an eco edit or they'll do like one little piece and they'll do these like one little pieces because well because it's trendy at the moment like it luckily I mean this is the thing this is what I'm asking I guess is like is it good that like ethical fashion is just kind of becoming cool or does it kind of trivialize and undermine it in a way it's interesting I think a lot of people are having the same kind of conversations around diversity and is it a plaster on a much bigger issue is it kind of like seeming to be engaging and thinking better about it to sort of greenwash or is it you know fundamentally changing the direction of the industry and I think like I would like to think that it's going to last more than a season I feel like brands are like I was going to use a really unintentionally cheesy pun like cottoning on to the time but like (laughs) unintentionally as well it's it's just it's too easily done don't worry about it anyway cottoning on to um the fact that consumers do want to know stuff and it doesn't make business sense and I don't know I mean I'm I'm personally terrified by the thought of the world ending because of global warming so I feel like I feel like most people are maybe big CEOs aren't exempt from that fear maybe they genuinely do want to want to sort of stop using all the resources and I think you know I feel like it's really hard to know how they operate so I don't think there's just like made up of like conglomerates of like purely evil people I think there's like a lot of obscuring of like the facts and like the supply chains are so dense and complicated that it's easy to to sort of take blame away and I feel like a massive company's always done things in a way that's quite damaging it's quite hard to then go backwards if it's happened like over Mm. time whereas if you start start right hopefully it's easier to stay on course but I would like to think that things will get better because I'm an eternal optimist (laughs) so yeah no fair enough and um where do you think the kind of like responsibility to like be at the head of that change is like do you see like did do you see birdsong as kind of a manifestation of your feeling responsible to make a change or is it just that you want to offer another option you know um do you think that small brands like birdsong and other ethical brands are you know, where are they, is it going to be them pushing the bigger brands or is it just that they will keep popping up until the big brands take notice, you know? It's really interesting because I've like, yeah, spoken quite a lot about this on like panels and stuff. And like, I think it would be arrogant to assume we can take on like the whole garment industry. Um, But I think I was on a panel with like Tansy Hoskins who wrote the anti-capitalist book of fashion the other day. And she was saying, you know, she was kind of doubting the ability of smaller brands to make change. But I think what we both agreed on was that they do offer a blueprint for how you can do do things differently. And I think that's really important. And I think, you know, by offering an alternative, you are kind of posing the question to people, well, there shouldn't really be an ethical prefix. It should just be fashion that's not harmful. Um, So, yeah, I think, like, a blueprint's really important. Like, you've got to have... You can't just it's really depressing to think about how awful the industry is without having like a kind of nice like idea to sort of look up to almost and I hope we can maybe do that a little bit okay cool all right that was great I really enjoyed that conversation it's been really great talking to you thank you so much for answering my somewhat dithering questions (laughs) and um yeah it's been great thanks (laughs) 
Thank you so much to Sophie for coming and chatting with me. I really enjoyed it. I hope all you guys enjoyed it too. You can check out Birdsong on their website, birdsong.london. Also, their Instagram feed is pretty great, birdsonglondon, all one word. Just a reminder, Hopeful Traders will be having a Kickstarter launch for our new collection. That's coming 28th of July. Find out more at hopefultraders.com. Uh, if you subscribe to Hopeful Notebook on our website, you'll get weekly updates and other inspiring creative projects and news about Hopeful Traders. That'd be really great. It's a great community. Um, yeah, this week we were produced by Lower Street and music was by Wavoka Gentle. I really urge you guys to go and check out their music. They are awesome.